This program is rated D for dog. It contains sniffing, scratching, and doggy themes. Welcome to Top Dog Podcast. I'm Katja. And I'm Adrian. I say hello and welcome as well. And guess what? You are in the right place. Because it's not about cats. It's all about dogs. It is also about people who live with or for dogs. Yeah. What's in store today? <laughs> in store today, we have... A bird amongst dogs. Raises the question, what do dogs do with a bird? Eat it. Play with it. Educate it. Not giving away an answer. Just listen to the stories. Second part. What is the difference between a dog in a costume? And a child at a birthday party. What is the difference between you having a conversation with your dog? And you talking to your husband. There is no difference whatsoever. Indeed there is none. Or is there? My top dog turns a blind eye. On a cactus. And he is not Mexican. No, he's Tibetan. Adrian, what's the first odd spot? Right, uh, are we starting with an odd spot now? We can. <laughs> <laughs> Or we can start with coffee. No, I think we had our coffee. Well, Oddspot is uh, our top dog Oddspot where we have good news, bad news, uh, exciting news and uh, heartwarming news and not so good news. This one is a bit of a mix. You know that in Australia there have been bushfires for the last two months. A lot of people died. More than 10 million hectares land have burned or 40,000 square miles if you want. And over 2,000 houses have been destroyed. And one of these houses uh, belonged to the Zagami family in East Gippsland, that's in the state Victoria, southeast in Australia. And their house has been reduced to nothing, virtually really nothing. All what's left is the pool with a little bit of water in it and a crooked fence around it. So all you see is rubble. Now the family went back to their property to um, have a look at the damage and uh, took their dog with them as well. It's a golden retriever and his name is OJ. And guess what? The dog was sniffing around in the property. He couldn't believe himself what happened. But uh, he found his favorite toy, a stuffed rabbit. <laughs> Lucky him. And that was, when, <laughs> was it in the pool? No, it was somewhere amongst the rubble. And the funny thing was that uh, a news channel was uh, present there as well. And they did take photos and uh, put that on their website and put it on, on uh, social media. And according to that news channel, uh, the photos have been uh, seen or clicked by the millions. And it went so far that the family created a GoFundMe page, the Zagami family, uh, in order to get back on their feet. And uh, so far they have raised 10,000 uh, Australian dollars. Wow. And the other good thing was that lots of people, lots and lots of people want to buy new toys for OJ. <laughs> <laughs> But guess what? He's probably going to still like that one favorite toy that yes, he found. Yes, And where would he store thousands of new, of new toys? And they don't have a house yet. Yeah. Don't forget. They have to buy an extra caravan for yeah. the toys. <laughs> But I think it's a it's a nice uh, sort of a nice ending of a tragic mm. tragic story. Well, hopefully there's some other people who find nice things that they thought were perished in the fires. Now, 
What's your story? Well, nothing to do with the fires. I can find a segue with um, a golden retriever, maybe, and golden hair. That uh, well, if some of you listeners out there have ever had a bad hair dye job, I think you can relate to. Uh-huh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you mean a hair dye or hair day? Hi. <laughs> well, maybe both. <laughs> I think if you have a bad hair dye job, you have a bad hair day job. <laughs> That's right. So, but now it's a hair day or a hair dye? Hair dye. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> so, when you... Re- I had a hair dye, bad hair dye job. Day. <laughs> no, I'm confused. Shall I tell you? Yes. <laughs> you know, the hair dye for men, just right, I think it's called. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah? And he says, nobody will notice. Okay, yes. Yeah, but it uh, it turns into some yucky brown. It's sort <laughs> of a uni, you need some color or some universal color, yucky brown. Anyway, I did it. And then friends came to visit us, and friends that I haven't seen for two years. And she didn't even say hello. She said, oh, you dyed your hair. <laughs> <laughs> so the commercial is not right. It's people not will, right. People it's will wrong. notice. It's wrong. So I hope your hair dye day is a better one. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so <laughs> it actually um, is a color you probably don't want to run around with normally. And it's definitely a color you're going to notice on your dog <laughs> if your puppy dog arrives. And not like a golden retriever, blonde color or a dark color. So this puppy arrived with green hair. Oh, yuck. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe they could have put a little mohawk on the poor puppy or not. So good news is that the puppy is healthy. It was just that the color of the fur was green. 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 Bright green. Bright green. And uh, there's some photos there and sort of slightly changing into yellow which is apparently sort of normal that it fades. But so since the green color and apparently the puppy was quite uh, pushy and active, they called him. Think of something green, Adrian, Um, and a bit angry. um, Angry as well. Uh, What's this guy's name at Christmas? The Cringe. (laughs) Klaus? (laughs) Hulk. Oh, Hulk. (laughs) What a great name. So they called him Hulk. Great name. (laughs) They worked out, I mean, they sort of looked it up probably on a popular search engine, but they worked out it's a normal process that can happen because every puppy is in its own sort of sac in the uterus. And um, sometimes if there's a thing called meconium present in the sac, which is basically sort of the first stool, So that can happen that it dyes the fur. Now, if your dog or your puppy is actually a brown color or dark color, then you won't notice that it's colored green. But since that puppy was blonde... You could see it. Wow. Yeah. And so slowly and slowly it will fade. So maybe they will have to rename the puppy into the Maya bee, a bee the Maya, or a yellow, what else is yellow? <laughs> SpongeBob, I don't know. <laughs> that probably explains why some human babies are yellow when they've been born. Maybe. We should investigate <laughs> that. <Yes. laughs> now, you had a dog once, Katya. Yes. When you were a girl or a child, let's put it that way. Did you consider it as a pet or a family member? Ah, oh, she was definitely a family member. Really? Yes. And why? Well, 
because we went out to play together. The neighbor's kids were really scared of her. <laughs> and, uh, and she was a very smart dog. So definitely human level. <laughs> Maybe it's you who started the trend because apparently more and more people consider their pets as family members and involve them in every aspect of their lives. It wasn't the case 20 years ago. They were still considered as pets, but now they're family members. And I noticed that if you're going to the country, that is probably still more the case than uh, in the city. Because so. they're more uh, rather working dogs in Correct. the country. That could mm. be. But I asked Dr. Kate Mornament. She's an applied animal behaviorist and consultant in Australia. She's also a media spokesperson, educator, expert witness, and she's very passionate about the human-animal bond. I did read an article uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald last year and it was about pets and their owners in modern times and in that article you state that you have seen a significant rise in dogs and cats being considered a family member as opposed to a pet. Could you tell me more about that one? Yeah, sure. So uh, I suppose I've been in this field for quite a long time. Um, after I finished my undergraduate degree in 2004, I did a few different things and one of them was working part-time in a pet shop. Um, and I saw lots of people buying pets that were really inappropriate for their situation uh, and then they would experience behaviour problems with them after that. So That's what prompted me to start my line of work as a consultant to pet owners. Um, and from that time, so since 2004, I have seen quite a change in the way that we interact with and keep companion animals. Uh, so it's, it's shifted more um, to the point where uh, pets are considered family members these days. So where dogs used to be kept outside, you know, maybe 20 years ago, that was the, the norm. These days, most dogs are indoor pets, um, and that's the same with cats, actually, as well. Uh, do you have an explanation why that is so, why it has changed? There's a few reasons um, that may explain the change. One of them is there's been a lot of research done in anthrozoology. So anthrozoology is a, a scientific discipline that looks at the relationships between people and animals, the anthrozoology research group that I did my PhD under, uh, that group did lots of research looking at the relationships between people and companion animals. And one of the things that the research has found is that people these days consider pets to be family members. There's other research that supports the fact that when you lose a companion animal, it can affect you as much or even more than losing a family member. And so pets play a really important role in our lives. And I think the way that we live with them these days reflects the importance of that role. Is it also because we don't have them, especially dogs, we don't have them anymore as working dogs? I mean, in many other countries, they still function as a guard dog or a sheep dog, and we don't need them for that anymore. So we have a different bond with them. Yes, that's a really, really good point. So you're absolutely right. Most dog breeds that we have in the world today were originally developed to do specific jobs or perform roles for humans. So things like herding, hunting, guarding and retrieving. 
and the majority of dogs, we don't use them for the roles that they were developed for. Um, the most common role these days is as human companions. So, yes, I think the fact that they're no longer working um, outside, like for a herding dog, they'd get quite um, dirty, <laughs> spending all their time outside working, and so people would be less inclined to, to have them in the house and sleeping in their bed. Um, but because they're not performing those working roles anymore, yeah, they tend to stay a lot cleaner. We have them in the, our homes a lot more. Many pet owners even have their dogs and also cats sleeping with them in the bed at, at night time. So, yeah, I think the fact that they no longer perform their working roles definitely has had something to do with it as well. Uh, and there's also been a bit of a shift in um, society. So uh, we have restrictions on what companion animals can and can't do these days, whereas years ago we didn't have them. So years ago in Australia, dogs used to roam around the streets, but now we have laws that prohibit that, so they need to be confined to the property. And many councils now have laws that require owners contain their cats to the property as well. So I think those things as well have contributed to animals, um, companion animals spending a lot more time in close proximity with us. Mm. Now, we've come a long way because we humans, you know, we have lots of opportunities to celebrate life as in birthdays, weddings, uh, Christmas, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day and even Halloween. And that's what I noticed too, that it has become a huge trend to involve your pet in those celebrations as well, as in giving them presents, dressing them even in costumes or even throw a birthday party for them. Has that gone too far and is it actually a good thing for the dog or for humans? Yeah, that's um, a very interesting question. So absolutely, I've seen the same trend um, where companion animals are um, involved in a lot more things that we may celebrate. Lots of people have parties for their pets, buy them Christmas presents and birthday presents. And um, I must say I'm one of those people. <laughs> we always give our pets <laughs> Christmas presents and birthday presents. And um, it just it feels oh. Okay. really not normal for, for me and I'm sure a lot of other people. And I think it comes down to them really being considered family members. Uh, and a lot of research has also shown that there are less couples having children these days and, and pets can fulfil a similar role that a child would fulfil for people. So that probably plays into it as well. In terms of whether it's good for the pets, I think as long as the pet owners are aware of their animal's behaviour and body language and emotional state. Um, sometimes people do things because it makes them feel good and, you know, they take a photo and put it on Instagram and it gets lots of attention, <laughs> but it's not always in the animal's best interest. So dressing up animals, you do need to be careful just to ensure that their welfare is maintained. So sometimes dressing up animals and restricting their movement or Dress-ups can make animals feel uncomfortable or feel hot, that kind of thing. We need to make sure that the cat or dog isn't adversely affected by dressing them up for our own entertainment. So as long as the animal is comfortable, I think it's okay, but it's really important to be mindful of those things because we don't want to be compromising our pet's welfare just for our own benefit. Does a dog actually understand that it's now Christmas and we're having a party, giving presents to each other, that it is a birthday party or it's Halloween now? Does a dog understand that? Do they, do they see a difference? I don't think they understand, oh, it's Christmas Day or it's my birthday. I think they, they just respond 
to to what's going on but, around them at that time. So, look, uh, Christmas time can be um, but look, it can be a really fun time for pets because often they're included in family activities and they get spoilt with presents. So that can be something that they look forward to and they may remember um, because these are annual events that take place. They might remember that they had a positive experience last year or they got a nice present. So they might indicate through their body language, you know, excitement or, or happiness. Um, but they can also be events that may cause stress, like dressing a dog up and taking them to big parties where there's lots of people around. Um, so it's always important to bear in mind, you know, is my pet having a good time? Yeah, rather than just assuming that they're fine. Would you agree if I said that actually we humans are more confused than the pet because uh, we sort of have two sides in, in, in us because on one hand we let them take part in our everyday life, we take them on a holiday, as you said we let them sleep in our beds, eat at our table and uh, probably we feel we do something nice for them and because we love them but on the other hand we are quite helpless towards the bad or not so convenient behavior like uh, excessive barking pulling the leash jumping up or destroying things yes that's very true um we do tend to not tolerate behavior we consider inappropriate very well uh, and the problem there is that many of those behaviors are normal canine and feline behaviors dogs and cats are not born knowing how to get along in our world it's very important that we teach them what behaviors are um, desirable and which are not but we also need to keep in mind that cats and dogs uh, although they're domesticated they have come from wild living ancestors and they still retain many instincts and behaviors in common with their wild living relatives so digging has a purpose in the wild and even though our domesticated dogs don't need to cache food like what their wild um, counterparts would do, they still have the instinct to do it and performing natural behaviours can be intrinsically rewarding for animals and so we need to provide them with appropriate outlets for those behaviours, not just punish them when they do the wrong thing but give them ways they can express normal instinctual behaviour in appropriate ways that don't upset us if that makes sense. Right. One last point. Some uh, cattle dog trainer told me once that he can only use two words the most in, in a command, anything beyond the dog won't understand. However, I regularly come across dog owners who talk to their dog like a like talking to a human and are convinced they understand, and some even are convinced the dog can read their mind. Is that possible? Or, and why do we think or why do we actually have conversations with a pet? So I think dogs are much, much smarter than what we give them credit for. I certainly believe dogs are capable of understanding more than two words or two things that we may say to them at once. There's an example of um, Chaser, the Border Collie, who recently passed away, sadly, but she knew over a thousand toys or items by name and she could go and find them out of a pile of, you know, hundreds of toys when she was asked to by name. So that level of cognition demonstrates some of the potential that's there. We just, we haven't tapped into it yet with our dogs. Uh, the other thing is that they're very good at reading us. So dogs and humans have evolved together for thousands of years. And one of the things that has made dogs so successful as a species 
is their ability to read us and respond to our emotions. So people may say, oh, my dog can read my mind because if they're having a bad day and they're feeling really down, uh, their dog not, you know, will uh, recognise this and will often offer behaviour to try and break them out of that mood or try and um, console them. So, yeah, I think... Um, Talking to your dog is fine. You know, we, we consider them family members. So it's people have a conversation with their dog like they would with a friend or a family member. And that's good for our psychological health as well. I think, you know, dogs, they're always there. They don't judge us. They're always happy to see us. There are many um, benefits of living with a dog that research has found in terms of our um, well-being. So, yeah, I'm not surprised people have conversations with their dogs. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. That was Dr. Kate Mornament. She is an applied animal behaviorist and consultant. And if you'd like to check out her website, you can find it on www.petsbehavingbadly.com.au. Yeah, and I still insist that you did set the trend back then when you considered your pet as a family member. I blame me, yes. Yes, so your dog was your top dog, I assume. That, Always. That takes us to our section, my top dog, and we've got a, a Tibetan dog. His name, I won't say the name because his owner, his name is Glenn, and he will tell us who that dog is. My dog's name is Pablo, and he is a six and a half kilo terrier. He's a Tibetan terrier who we met when he was abandoned on the island of Mallorca. He was uh, in the dog's home, and he had been abandoned as a two-year-old dog. And he was a pretty sad guy because his owner left him for the second winter in a, in a row by himself on the island and uh, he landed in the dog's home and he was looking for a new home so we said come on over so we were on actually on holidays in Mallorca when we met him let's uh, quickly clarify where Mallorca is okay well Mallorca is uh, the largest of the Balearic Islands in the Mediterranean Sea about 200 kilometers south of Barcelona right so for the guys who don't know about geography Does he belong to Spain? It belongs to Spain. So he was an abandoned dog, and he obviously wasn't the only one. No, so we yeah. found, when we found Pablo, there was a little, a little black dog with him. Uh, and her, So she had been uh, literally thrown out the back of a car, a traveling car, and the police actually witnessed it and picked her up and took her to the dog home. So that's how we know the story, that she was literally thrown out of the back window of a traveling car. And um, she landed, funnily enough, in the same dog home and in the same uh, cage as Pablo. And so we met them there and we decided we we liked them both. We were thinking about taking the black one and we were thinking about taking the brown one. And I said, we can't take one without the other. So we decided, seeing they got on so well in their little cage there, that they were the dream team. So we just took them as a pack home 
together at the same time. She was a little bit younger than Pablo. What was her name? Her name was, uh, well, we had to name them both, actually. You know, Pablo didn't have a name. We didn't know what he called. So we we chose the name Pablo. And we chose the name for um, the little black dog as Rosine, which means raisin in German. So we decided, because she was shiny and black, uh, that we would call her raisin. And, so and sweet. And sweet. It's, it's very sweet. sweet. <laughs> not not particularly wrinkled, though, like a raisin. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so we, um, as I said, we were on holiday, so they came to Hamburg with us. The good thing about small dogs in Europe is that they can travel with you in the cabin. So we bought them little cabin bags, and we trained them by putting treats into the bags, um, that hopping into that bag was a good thing. And so, and then we carried them around the apartment a bit to get used to being in the bag. And then very, very quickly, when the bags appeared, they were very happy to be going in the bag and on the plane with us. So they come in as a hand luggage. Correct. So they come in and just go at your feet in in the plane. And you don't pay for them? You do have to pay for them, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, It's been something that over the last 10 years... Uh, you know, airlines, there's been big changes in the airlines and they've been looking for all sorts of ways to make more revenue in order to facilitate the cheaper ticket prices. And that is something that has really skyrocketed in the last 10 years. It used to be almost free. I think it was about 10 euros for a bag because obviously it doesn't cost the airline any more money. It has skyrocketed. Now it is 55 euros for per dog per flight. So it has really gone up. So when you have two of them and you're flying to and fro a place. I mean, that certainly does add up. But uh, anyway, it is what it is, yeah. what we do for our dogs. Now, sadly, Rosina is not with you any longer. Yes. Yeah, so, so we lost Rosina in December of um, uh, 2018. And uh, since then, we've just had Pablo, who is now next month turning 13. He's a bit of an old man. He's lost the sight in one eye and he doesn't hear very well. And he's been quite, you know, since we lost Rosina, he's been, I've noticed he's been a little bit lost at times. Uh, he, I think she was very clearly the leader of the, the team there. And she was determining when it was time to eat and when it was time to sleep and when it's time to be excited and it was time to be, when it was time to be relaxed. So sometimes he's a little bit at a lost end about exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Did you actually see a difference in his behavior that day when Rosina died? No, I didn't. We did show him Rosina when she died. And straight away, actually, it was just the circumstances because uh, the the day after she died, we were due to fly from Mallorca back to Hamburg where we live. And um, so we just quickly flew back to Hamburg the next day. And of course, we were in a different situation. So he was a little shell-shocked anyway. We were in a different place. Um, And I didn't notice until we really got sort of back into routine and everything settled down that he was really at a loose end as to what to do and a little bit lonely too, I think. So what does he mean to you now? Do you treat him as a dog or as a pet or as a child or as a family member i think what we're trying to do with him now because as i said he he is i think a little does have a little dementia in that he will you know his reality is not quite there all of the time i think and i think that's because he doesn't see very well he's got um as i said he he had an infected eye he walked us into some um 
sharp plant, I think, and it cut his eye, which got infected. So he lost the vision in that eye. And in the, and the, I think the reason he did that is because he was had suffering from cataracts and was not seeing particularly well either. So he does see out of the other eye, but if the sun is shining at a particular angle, he really doesn't see anything. So I just try to do things that make him happy really now. And so he does like long walks, but he can't go off the lead anymore because he has got not a, we don't have the ability to call him back because he doesn't hear particularly well and he doesn't see so i just put him on a lead and he feels quite comfortable when i he can feel me or us on the other end of the lead and helping him not walk into walls <laughs> or lampposts <laughs> and he's a great sniffer he loves um he loves to read his newspaper so i tried to get him out and just you know give him a chance to sniff around and leave his marks and then he goes home and he's happy to have good, a good long sleep. And that's all what it's about, really, these days. Yeah. Did you say he reads? He loves to read his newspaper? Yeah. In that, yeah. I mean, you know, go out and sniff what's going on in the neighborhood. I see. Yeah. Okay. The latest news. <laughs> that was Glenn with Tibetan Pablo. Pablo, very Tibetan name, I think. <laughs> sure, he's not Mexican. No, he's, he's not. Definitely not. <laughs> Now, something special and nothing to do with Mexicans, not Tibetans, Adrian. Your book, which is based in Australia. Yes, it's a purely Australian story. It's called Pirate the Barking Kookaburra. So that's an Australian bird. And I turned that book into an audio book with lots of voices, music, sound effects and so on and so on. And it's also a dog story because we've got three dogs in there, Stelzi, Hoover, Ajax and a cat and of course a bird. The story goes like Parrot is a lost kookaburra he befriends the dogs and the cat and his sense of fun turns their life upside down and at the same time the dog's survival skills and the cat's wisdom take pirate on the journey that changes his life forever from today we will play a chapter in every episode and you did the maths adrian yeah and you worked out that that will last us for the whole year yay yeah <laughs> so get your earphones ready And last time, if you haven't listened, you can listen back to it, of course, on the podcast. Last time we learned that Pirate, he suddenly popped up in the backyard and uh, the dogs that you mentioned had no clue who he was or even what he was. And the cat Buddha, he gave them a lecture. And well, so what can we expect in this new episode? Well, I'm not giving it away. All I can say is there's still... Guessing what that bird could be. After Ajax and Hoover had gone back to their own homes and Buddha was on the rooftop watching the stars, Stelza lay down on her couch out on the veranda. Pirate quickly curled up between her long legs and fell asleep in an instant. His feathers were now fluffy and shiny, his stomach full, 
because everybody insisted Buddha had agreed to share his dinner with Pirate. Kookaburras don't eat dog food. They eat fish. It was you who said that. The dogs had lectured him. Pirate loved it. He sunk his strong beak into the mushy, fishy bits and swallowed them as if there was no tomorrow. Earlier in the evening, Stelzer had wondered where Pirate could sleep tonight. Maybe she would lift him up onto the lowest branch of the gum tree in the backyard. But she quickly dismissed the idea. What if a feral cat sneaked up on him and grabbed him? She thought about scratching some leaves together to build a nest under the house. But what if a snake sneaked up on him and bit him? Pirate had to sleep on the couch between her legs. Stelzer did not take her eyes off him. At one stage, she tried to hum a song she heard once on her master's radio. She thought that would comfort Pirate. But Buddha was yelling down from the rooftop. Hey, mate, your howling gives me the shivers. You try to scare us all to death. So she stopped humming and instead licked Pirate's feathers clean, gently and carefully. How is he doing? All of a sudden, Hoover asked. Oh, holy bone, you gave me a fright. And what are you doing here so late at night? I couldn't sleep, so I asked myself, why don't you wander up here and see how Pirate is doing? He's doing fine. He's asleep. Poor thing. Hoover sighed and rested his snout on the couch, very close to Pirate. You're not trying to snatch him away from me, are you? No, no, no. I'm not eating my friends. Friends are for life. You have to treat them with love and care. <laughs> That's something I have never heard coming out of your brain before. <laughs> Who told you that? I did, mate! Buddha yelled from the rooftop. Well, Pirate is indeed a poor thing. It must be hard for him not to be with his parents. Perhaps he doesn't have any. Where he comes from, there are no such things as parents. What a lot of awful! Where do you think he comes from? From outer space. It was Ajax's voice. Oh, holy bone. Holy lunch. You, you gave, gave us, us a such fright. a fright. I couldn't sleep, so I asked myself, why don't you wander up here and see how pirates doing? Said Ajax and jumped onto the couch. Hey, listen, I have the proof that pirate is from outer space. Do you remember the thunderstorm this afternoon? Do you remember the lightning? Well, that wasn't lightning. It definitely was not. I mean, it was kind of a lightning... But in fact, it was the engine of a UFO. It sends out a bright light as a disguise, so you can't see that it's a UFO. UFO! There aren't any UFOs. Yes, there are. Mate, it is scientifically not proven. And who knows better than me that they do not exist? I have been watching the night sky all my life and have not seen a single one so far. Will you guys shut up? Your stupid argument will wake up 
pirate. Well, he definitely fell out of the sky. He's right. And we only first saw him after the lightning. Maybe it was a sorcerer or a wizard who brought him here. He performed magic with his wand. They have sort of a flashing light, haven't they? Maybe Pirate was originally a flower. Or a rock. Or a worm. Oh, you dogs are so stupid. It makes my claws cringe. There are no UFOs and there are no sorcerers. Oh, yeah? Mr Know-it-all? Do you have a better explanation why he's here? Not yet, mate. I'm still thinking about one. That little bird didn't come from a different planet. No, he comes from the furthest star away, from the edge of the universe. Hang on. Since he's a pirate, he must have arrived on a huge pirate ship. A schooner, that would be. A pirate ship is called a schooner. It was the pirate's favourite ship in the Caribbean. A schooner. Oh, enough of your lecture. Let's stop right there. We will find out where Pirate comes from and we will take him back there. But right now, he needs to sleep. He's still a baby. That was Pirate the Barking Kookaburra, a chapter in every episode for the whole year. And if you can't wait for a whole year and want to listen to the whole story in one hit or binge listening, then go on our website, topdog.space. There you find the link to where you can download this audiobook. I can actually tell you now, can I? Yeah, okay. It's www.bubenberg.com. Unfortunately... This is the end of the show. You've listened to Top Dog Podcast and you could drop us a line if you like at woofwoof at topdog.space. Yeah, and with the line we mean comments because uh, that will alert others that we do exist. Because we do. So bye-bye and say hello to your dog from me. I say bye-bye too and say hello to your giraffe from me. Bye.